As you travel the streets of Dublin today, it's hard to imagine that it was once a thriving rural landscape. There were fields and farms, woods and rivers. Alas, mostly all gone now. Some traces still remain in place names or an occasional green space. But one of the strongest links with the city's rural past are the many rivers and streams now buried beneath the streets of the capital. One such river is the Bradog that flowed on the north side of the city. Rising in the Cabra area, it flowed into the Liffey at Ormond Quay. In its time, the Bradog was an important river. It was the boundary between large estates. It provided drinking water for people and animals, as the Liffey was too brackish. There was even a dispute over fishing rights on it in the Middle Ages. Today, it's virtually vanished with little or no trace. Many of the place names associated with it have even changed, and the whole river now flows underground, but it's still there. I first learned of its existence in a book by Paddy Crosby, and then recently Bernard Neary mentioned it in his history of Cabra and Fibsborough. I'd been intrigued by the notion that a river could vanish or become invisible, so I set out on a search to see if I could find the Brad Oak, and perhaps even to see if its source was still there. It's a trip really through Dublin's past and the development of the city. To begin, I foresaw the assistance of Bernard Neary. I, w- I wanted to start at Ormond Quay where the Bradog joined the Liffey, but he suggested that we begin by checking some old maps in the National Library. On the um, Ordnance Survey map of 1895, um, you can clearly see where the Bradog water went under the Cabaret Road near the present-day junction with Newgrange Road and you can see where it flowed up towards Begsborough on then Fawcett Lane but um, now Fawcett Avenue and it's difficult to see from this map but it is possible that it went on up to Liffey Junction and that that is the source but you can clearly see on this map where it it went into Cabra. And, and it goes as it goes as far as Begsborough. And it goes as far is as that as house Begsborough. still there, Bernard? Yeah, Begsborough House is still there. The p- present mansion was built um, around eighteen around eighteen seventy on the site of a previous mansion and a house has stood there in Begsborough from around fourteen hundred. Also you can see on this map that the um, the railways hadn't began to make an imp- hadn't yet begun to make an impact. Um, the Midland Great Western Railway from Broadstone not having been built at that time. Uh, you can see the old headquarters of the Royal Canal and the Royal Canal Hotel. Yeah, the hotel is still there, incidentally, and it's still, you could say, used for the same purposes in that it houses um, provincial bus drivers in Dublin. You know, when they come up from the country, they stay overnight there and go back. So um, you can see, clearly see where the, how the city has changed. There's the branch of the Royal Canal you know, coming off down by the state cinema. Yeah, that's filled in now. That's, that's all filled that's, in that's now. A, that's um, the park. That's a park now. That's right. The basin is <coughs> still there. The basin is a park now. The swans congregate there. Well, this map here is Cook's um, Royal Map of Dublin, 1821. Right? And yeah. you can see from here the broad oak. You can you cannot see its actual source, but it's coming from the Liffey Junction area of Cabra, and you can see where it goes overland to as far as Grange Gorman, and at St Brendan's there it goes under the hospital, which was then 
known as the Richmond Penitentiary. And it came out at the other side of the hospital and it could then be seen as far as the Broadstone, where the present railway station is, although at that time the railway station wasn't built. It then goes underground and you cannot see it any further on the map. This is Speed's map of 1610. It's one of the earliest maps on record of Dublin. And here you can clearly see the Brad Oak water where it enters the Liffey. You can see where it flowed by St Mary's Abbey on the way. It's, it is definitely the Broadstone. And beside that you can see the present day Chancery Street, which was then known as Pill Lane. Pill being associated with a harbour and that chance pill lane getting its name from the obviously from the Brad Oak. Having charted the course of the river and the maps, we then took ourselves down to the quays one fine Saturday morning to begin the trail along the course of the Brad Oak. Well here we are now on the South Keys, leaning against our bicycles, looking over at the North Keys. We're looking over at Ormond Key, and we're, we have our eyes on the spot where the Brad Oak enters the Liffey. It enters the Liffey just there at East Iron Street, which is just facing us. If you can see it amongst the seagulls who are happily dancing around, looking for food in the, in the Liffey. I hope they have luck. <laughs> Behind us is um, Michael and John's church. Now, the Brad Oak, it's, it's very hard to, to establish exactly where it rolls, but most records point to Liffey Junction in Cabra, and it f flowed from there across the junction of Fossil Avenue and Quarry Road, along Charleville Road, a course down by Ratdown Road, Grange Gorman Lane, under the hospital there, which was formerly a penitentiary, um, by the Broadstone, and then through the middle of Henrietta Street and Bolton Street, onto Halston Street and Green Street Courthouse, that was formerly Newgate Prison. And then it came down East Iron Street, directly opposite us, um, that was formerly Boot Lane, into the Liffey. Um, Dylan Cosgrave's book, History of North County Dublin, indicates uh, that as being the place where the, the Broad Oak did enter the Liffey. Um, John Speed's map of 1610, if you check that, we've already been in the National Library and we had a look at that map. Um, that indicates as well that more or less the area there at East Iron Street is where the Broad Oak enters the Liffey. When, I was, uh, when we were kids, you know, and running around the streets here, we used to be fishing in the river, you know, fishing uh -huh. in, the, in, the, in the river. And uh, we used to go up and get the, the cod's heads up the up to the market and put a bit of string on them. Yeah. Just at the en en entrance here to uh, Arden Street, opposite on the on the river, there's always a catch pit there with uh, stones, you know, around it where the, yeah. the 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 river used to hit that. Yeah. And there was always uh, crabs in it. A funny thing about it, you know. Yeah. But, uh, that's the only thing at the moment I remember, you know, of, of that particular, yeah. uh, of, of that particular um, outlet. But of, of, if it is the river now, the first building over the Brad Oak was in the area of East Iron Street, Ormond Square, and the Corporation Fruit and Vegetable Market. 
Nobody's really sure when this happened. It could be a very ancient development or be as recent as three or four hundred years. Claire Sweeney of Dublin Corporation Drainage Department had some stories about this for us. Two or three years ago, uh, when the uh, road construction section were uh, uh, resurfacing and, and uh, renovating the uh, Chancery Street, um, I warned them that uh, the, the course of the old brother oak passed uh, nearly opposite uh, the vegetable and fruit market entrance and to watch out for any uh, problem that might arise there when they uh, took the, the surface off the street. And sure enough, uh, when they went down on the, uh, on the base of the, uh, of the road, uh, we came across this old culvert, which was in the order of about 15 feet wide and something like six or eight feet high, uh, uh, although uh, a lot of it was uh, um, silted and uh, was untravelable to some extent, uh, particularly uh, northwards towards the vegetable market. But if you turned around and faced the Liffey and went uh, southwards, that you could actually uh, travel beneath the houses at Ormond Square, uh, where it eventually resolved itself into a pipe and couldn't be travelled any further. This had uh, very little cover on it, something or other, about 21 inches or thereabouts, and the, the paving department, or the roads construction section, were asked to um, make it secure for heavy loadings because this would have been a problem. Some years ago, say uh, 12 or 15 years ago, uh, or less, 10 or 12 years ago, um, the vegetable and fruit markets had a, a dropped area where they uh, put in these uh, skips uh, for to take uh, refuse from the markets, such as uh, old uh, cabbage stalks and etc. And, and waste fruit. And this was open to the sky and, and uh, this dropped area, which is the size of a normal room, uh, would collect water in uh, uh, heavy rainfall times. And they asked us here in the drainage department to uh, provide a gully connection to the sewer in Chancery uh, Street. When we opened down on the um, uh, where we proposed about the gully, we came across a big stone slab and a sarcophagus uh, uh, underneath it when we lifted the slab and, and found the, uh, what we believe was the grave of some old monk from St. Mary's Abbey and might be uh, even uh, the abbot, I think Leaf was his name, name uh, of Tomas probably refers to Leaf as being uh, one of the origins of Clan Leaf, uh, 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 the, the seminary, or the, the Clan Leaf Road. But uh, I understand from the from the lads in the job that they didn't tell anybody, but just uh, um, uh, uh, connected the gully into this sarcophagus and, and didn't go out to the streets with the, with the connection and covered it over, and uh, there he remains to this day. We're now in Green Street, and we have the fortune that uh, Dublin Corporation are carrying out sewage works here, and we can see down below where, obviously, um, it's flowing at the moment. Obviously, th this is the course of the Brad Oak. Um, it would have come from Halton Street under the Green Street Courthouse, formerly Newgate Prison, and it would, you, you can see it actually flowing there. I mean, that, that um, pipe there is dry, nothing has flown, flown through it yet. Obviously indicating that this, as a sewage pipe, it's not in use at the moment, yet the water is flowing, so more than likely this is the Broad Oak, and you can see the, um, 
the, the manhole covers. There's one there, one there, and they go down East Iron Street, uh, Little Green Street and East Iron Street in a line. So obviously this is the, 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 the Brad Oak, and it would correspond with what, um, what's been said by Dylan Cosgrave in his book on the history of North County Dublin. You can still get a rural flavour from the city centre, from this side of the city, from the markets there. Um, the people on this side of the city seem, they seem they're, they're much different from the, the people on the, on the south side. You know, the, at, at one stage, the heaviest concentrations of, of population in Dublin city would have been this side of the north city and the Liberties area of the south city. That's where the main concentration of population could be, would be. And the, the people on the south side would have engaged in you know, the linen trade and flax and that. And the people on the north side, they engaged in the fruit, you know, importing fruit and, and um, distributing it. And you can get, th th there's a difference between the slang that the people use on, on this side of the city. They've got their own their own slang, their, their, their own friendliness, and they're, they're, a com they're, they're a completely different type of person. And when you go into the markets and interview the people, you will get that, and they will, they will tell you slang words that you, you wouldn't hear anywhere else in the city. Um, another indication of the, uh, the rural aspect of this side of the city is that, um, you know, just on Smithfield, not far, if it's only a stone's throw from here, you, every, the first Sunday of every month you have um, the horse market. Leaving the markets area, we headed up towards Broadstall. It was here that the second major covering up of the Brad Oak took place, but I'll let Bernard Neary tell the story. Um, Broadstone gets its name from uh, the Norse Brad Oak Stin, the stone of the Brad Oak. And it was here at the Broadstone that the Brad Oak water flowed over a large stone bottom on its way to the River Analiffy. It, it, before the opening of the Midland Railway for traffic in 1847, it was uh, a point of departure for the canal fly or passenger boats to Mullingar and the Shannon with several intervening places. Um, there was also a hotel there, which I showed you, where the, um, the, 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 now the, the bus drivers, the provincial bus drivers, stay overnight. What, what the canal Bernard ended here, the, 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 the Royal Canal, this was the end of it. Really, That's right. Well, the Royal Canal flowed into, uh, flowed down to the docks, into the Liffey. But um, at Fibsford, there was the Broadstone branch of the Royal Canal, and that was a cut of nearly a mile and a half from the direct line. It came in there at Fibsborough, down by the um, what's now known as the Royal Canal Bank, where the library is. Actually, the library sitting on the old uh, cut of the canal, and it came over. The canal was brought over Church Street um, on an aqueduct. This aqueduct was known as the um, Foster Aqueduct. Aqueduct. Um, it's <laughs> known locally as the Aqueduct. The aqueduct. Yeah, the aqueduct. I, I, when I was interviewing a couple of old local people about the aqueduct, they were talking about the aqueduct and I didn't know what they were talking about. The first um, evidence we have of the aqueduct is um, a print um, in the National Library. Um, the dated print is 1816 and that's, that's one of the earliest um, 
evidence we have of the aqueduct. It was considered a very clever piece of architecture and engineering in its day. And after the docks were, were closed, after the, the cut from Fibsor was closed, um, it, it, the aqueduct served as a roadway over the docks and you know, it was an entrance into the Broadstone, but uh, it was finally removed in 1951 actually. In Broadstone Station, Bernard introduced me to Jack Wall, who had worked on the Midland and Great Western Railway. And he began by showing us where the river flowed through the Broadstone. The river comes down Ratdown Road, across from Carbera, the shopping centre of Carbera, right across and down Ratdown Road, it crosses over Busy Asylum into the railway and then empties itself out into the main storage on Broadstone. And what the, the corporation would be afraid of, that there could be a chokage. That's how they have to come up and what, keep what, what this What were you clean. saying about the corporation coming to clean it? They have to come and clean it in case that it, is, it blocked the sewer. And what sort of uh, things, do, what, what would be in it? What would they it'd be old trees and branches and black muck, you know, what you would get out there. It'd be as black as soot. You'd see them clean as out. They have to go down with buckets and take it up out of the mines. The railway station here was built in 1850, and the, the Midland Great Western Railway Company was formed in 1845 and they purchased the, uh, all the land here from the Royal Canal Company and in 1850 the building was opened. Ten years later, in 1860, there was major alterations were carried out and that colonnade that you see just over there as you come in, you can see the building here just over there from the top of the railway station, that, those, that was built in 1860 and what they did was they changed the platforms around where the people formerly um, disembarked um, from 1860 they embarked and where they formerly embarked they disembarked. They just changed the stations around and added that that um, that building there. There was great controversy at the time in that in 1850 it was one of the most modern railway stations in, in one of the best and, and most modern railway stations in Europe and there was great controversy in that ten years later why were such major alterations being carried out to what was a modern railway station but uh, they did it in any way. You may imagine the chairman uh, Major Cusick used to walk from from Newer Street up. He had a place in Malahoya, big domain there. And he used to come in there on the train, on the northern train, that time. And he'd walk up Edel Street and he'd go into handlings and boys fishing and, and come out and walk up along the square. In the, and do you know what he used to do? He had the leggings on him, and knee breeches, and the swallowtail coat, and the hard hat. <laughs> and he was a major now in the army. And he used to go in there with his umbrella on his arm, and the men would be walking on the new road, cleaning it and all, I'll show you the new road. He'd bid them good morning, and his paper in his hand. There was no other way of going to me, only by train. And that passed through Minute College. And the students in them days had the privilege of stopping any training, of coming train, and they could go from, from Minute to University College.
Uh-huh. And what about the hunt though? What about the meat hunt? Well, the meat hunt was a big place. That's where all the gentry used to go for hunting all around Mead. It was a great place for foxes and, and all that. And how would they and use stand. here? To, why would they gather here? Because there was no other means of getting them down the country. There was no horse boxes in them days. Uh-huh. Only trains. And, and they come in there through them gates and they'd be waiting for the train. The trains would be like the buses there and they going out the mead road. The salmon used to come up from Galway and, uh, and the milk that had come up be the farmers up along used to be all on that platform there. And also at the hunt they used to have a stag hunt. And you'd often find a stag here on the platform where they'd be at their killing them, you know, and the, the makeup of Venice. Yeah. What the gentry used to have years ago, you know, instead of mutton or beef or that, and they were living hoy. Here we are outside Broadstone now. I mean, what, where, where do we go from here? Well, we're right opposite the Broadstone railway station. Um, from here, I'd suggest that we go down towards Church Street and turn right in, at North Brunswick Street and head up towards Grange Gorman, where the Broad Oak flowed down Grange Gorman Lane and through Grange Gorman and under the ground we're standing on here, on down to the, to the Liffey. Um, we'll head down towards Church Street, where Kevin Barry, incidentally, was arrested on the 20th of September 1920 to subsequently die in Mountjoy Prison on the 1st of November of the same year. And we'll, we'll, we'll go up towards Grange Gorman and hopefully we'll find some indication of where the um, Broad Oak flowed through that area. All the indications we had were that the Brad Oak flowed in an unbroken line from Cabra to Ormond Quay. But in Grange Gorman we came across a surprise. After crossing the North Circular Road and reaching Grange Gorman, the river split in two. Now the only clue to this was on Speed's map of 1610. This map is generally vague and we hadn't given it much attention. Brian O'Connell, the architect of St Brendan's, explained how the building of the North Dublin Union Workhouse had to deal with the Brad Oak, not at Broadstone, but at North Brunswick Street. Our, our first connection with it, in fact, comes in 1775 with the building of the first North Dublin Union Workhouse. Now that Dublin Union Workhouse was set up under an Act of the Irish Parliament of 1771, which was passed to give powers to appointed governors to set up institutions to control uh, mendicancy and, and uh, to provide a shelter for the homeless. Now, this was set up and the corporation, the first, the first um, board of governors was set up in 1775 and they proceeded immediately to uh, acquire a site on North Brunswick Street for the purposes of building a house of industry. Now they built that house in the year, they commenced in 1775, and it's still there, the building they built is still there, and it's part of the Richmond Hospital, and it's part of the Richmond Surgical Hospital, now known as Ward 5, and part of the administrative buildings. In fact, the Brad Oak River runs underneath that building, and is culverted underneath that building. So it passes underneath that building, and it proceeds westwards. It passes under then the boiler house, the present boiler house of the Richmond Hospital, the Richmond Complex, which is a 19th century building. Uh, 
around about 1940, there were problems with the culverted section, the old culverted section dating back to 1775, and a bypass was built in, which in fact uh, directs or diverts the line of the river around the old buildings through the Richmond Yard, down through what's known as the present funeral yard, back out into Brunswick Street, where it links up again with the, uh, with the, the original line of the culvert. So that's the first part uh, of the river, and as I say, our first connection with it dates from 1775. This section of the Bradog now flows from North Brunswick Street under Red Cow Lane and Smithfield to join the main Dublin Corporation sewer flowing along the quays. As we were later to learn, this section probably now contains the main flow of the river. The Bradog River runs underneath westward into the grounds of what is now St Brendan's Hospital, Grange Gorman, but which at that time was the site of the Richmond Asylum. Now, the Board of Governors of the North Union, Dublin North Union Workhouse, applied to the then Viceroy, uh, who was the Earl of Richmond, for uh, a grant to, and for an extension of their powers to set up a, an asylum for the care of the insane. At that particular time, a large number of people who were coming into the Richmond uh, or North Dublin Union uh, were in fact suffering from various forms of what was then recognised as insanity. There was in fact quite a benevolent view amongst the, uh, amongst the governors and the, the, the profession such as it was at the time that in fact these people were capable of being cured. And there was quite a scientific approach to psychiatry in those very early days. And uh, it was viewed as being something more than uh, mere custodial care that could be given. So that the purpose, uh, the purpose of the memorandum which was submitted by the Board of Governors of the House of Industry to the, uh, to the Earl of Richmond was for funds to purchase lands and for permission to erect an asylum for the care of the insane. Now this in fact they did by a memorial of 1809. The Earl of Richmond, in receipt of, uh, of that memoriam, granted the permission, but he also required the Board of Governors to acquire further lands westward, again of the site that they proposed, uh, for the purposes of building a penitentiary, a general penitentiary. Uh, in fact, this was later defined as being a female penitentiary, and it was intended to be the principal women's prison for Dublin. Now, at that time, Francis Johnson, who I think would probably be regarded as the first and probably the greatest of the native Irish architects and the master of the classical period, uh, was architect of the Board of Works. Johnson had been born in Armagh uh, in the latter part of the 18th century, and by the turn of the 19th century, he was the principal architect of the Board of Works, and by that, he, by that time, uh, quite an experienced uh, designer. Now, the site that he was concerned with here, to the west of the existing Richmond Hospital, is the site through which the river Bradog passed, and as far as we know at that time, it was open. It was then culverted in, in the year 1809, during, during the construction of the lower house and the construction of the penitentiary, which were roughly simultaneously, uh, and that both of these buildings were completed by the year 1816. So that between 1809 and 1816, we know that that uh, lower part of the Bradog was culverted, and to this day, it, it, it still runs underneath both of those buildings. It has been opened from time to time during construction, and uh, we know it to be, a, at the moment, a fairly large oval-shaped brick culvert uh, with a very high volume passing through it, because it does appear to be acting as a, a sewer for the, uh, 
for, for the sector, the northwest sector of Dublin, or at least part of that. Now, tracing, tracing it back underneath the, it passes underneath the governor's house of the original asylum, and then it passes under a wing to the to the west or to the north, the north wing of the of the uh, old asylum building, passes on underneath the laundry of the old asylum building, passes underneath the boiler house, which is the present east side boiler house for the St. Brendan's complex, and proceeds on up to the top of the site, in other words, to, to the, 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 la the, last, uh, the last point, the, north, the northwest, sorry, northeast corner of the St. Brendan site. And at that point, it turns sharply to the west, and it proceeds underneath the return wing of what was the old women's prison. It then passes out into the Grange Gorman upper, where it meets a point, or at least it, it meets a fork at that point, and the, the, the river appears to have divided there at some stage, part of which, and perhaps the, 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 the major, the major uh, limb of which runs for, for a short distance parallel to the culverted section to which we've just referred, and then turns off underneath, or passes not quite underneath, but out past the south end of the Broadstone. We've seen how the, the river flowed through Grange, Gorman and Broadstone. Outside now the walls of Grange, Gorman, looking back, Bernard, what strikes you here? Um, well, a few things strike us here. If you look at the lie of the land, um, if you look north, you'll see where you know, the land is much higher than here in, in, at Grange Gorman. Grange Gorman is sort of in a valley. Yeah. And, you know, looking north, you can see, you, you, can, you can nearly see the course that the river took. You can see the gap in the houses there on the north circular road between 243 and 245. And you can see where the river would have come through there and along here by the wall of St. Brendan's. Yeah. You can see the, the twists in the wall um, where, you know, I think that's positive proof that the river flowed along here. You know, the twists in the, twists in the wall indicate that the, the, the foundations of the wall have to follow the course of the, the river. river. And the river would have come right along the boundary wall of St. Brendan's through Grange Gorman and then just it would have gone under the roadway at the main entrance to St. Brendan's Hospital under Grange Gorman um, through the grounds and there's a wall in the grounds and you can see the, the zigzag in that wall in the grounds where the river roughly yeah. followed that wall un, under the Broadstone Gate, what was known as the Broadstone Gate and then it followed its course, course. Ac across to Henrietta Street. So the, the Brad Oak then leaves the north side, sorry, leaves the west side of the site onto the north circular road and again it passes outside the limits of our knowledge. So we have in fact traced it from Red Cow Lane where it enters what became the whole complex, the poor law complex, uh, and it, where we, fo we, we followed it passing through the, what is now part of the Richmond Hospital, the original North Union House of Industry. We followed it passing underneath the, uh, the, first, the first asylum, the first major asylum known as the Richmond Asylum. Uh, we've, followed it underneath the, uh, the old women's prison, across Grange Gorman Upper, back into the later site of St. Brendan's Grange Gorman, um, and up through that and back out onto the North Circular Road. Where the Braddock crosses the North Circular Road was generally built up around the 1850s. 
Beyond it remained countryside until the corporation began developing Cabra and Cabra West in the 1930s and 40s. Paddy Doyle, whom you heard speaking earlier about the Bradog at East Aaron Street, worked for the corporation then. I remember, like, when I was working in the corporation and uh, at the particular time, temporary in the corporation, doing the, 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 the survey of Cabra West. No, which, oh, when, when would this have been? Oh, it was 1930-odd, 30-odd now, 34, yeah. 30, about 34, yeah. I, I, I think myself, now, there was a bit of a river there, and I thought it was a, uh, some of the canal coming in there, you know what yeah, I mean? That, yeah. Now, it would be a, an only, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a, a stream coming down yeah, there, you yeah. know, and the, in the, you know what I mean, the, the hedging, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I know we used to divide the, the, the hedging years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. Th- this is the junction of um, Quarry Road and Foss Avenue. Um, just opposite us there is Begsborough House. This was the, the one that we saw on the map in the National Library. That's right, the 1838 Ordnance Survey map. Um, Begsborough House, there's been... A Beg- Begsboroughs have lived in the house here, as I have told you, um, from around... from before the... the, the, the um, from before the 15th century, around 14... around 1430, I think it is, the first Begs came to Cabra. And the present house there that you see was built on the site of a former house and it, back in 1870. Now just beside Begsborough House was a quarry and hence the name Quarry Road for Cabra and you can see this quarry clearly on the 1838 map and um, you can see the Brad Oak flowing by the quarry. So what, what, what do you think happened to the Brad Oak prior to that? I mean we know that it was there in 1897 or at least it was on the 1897 map but where, what do you think happened after that? It, it just became part of the, the city sewage scheme. That's all. I think that they just covered it in. Once in Cabra, we were close to the source of the Brad Oak. All the maps were vague as to where it might be, but it was easy to guess where it couldn't be. Cabra West is bounded on one side by a railway line known as Liffey Junction, and beyond that the ground slopes away, so the source had to be on the city side of the railway. On the other side, Cabra is bounded by the Navan Road, and there are two small streams there flowing in the opposite direction to the Bradog. So the logical source of the Bradog is Cabra, somewhere around Liffey Junction. We're now at Liffey Junction, and... This, this is where you think it is? This is where I think it is. We're walking on, we're just approaching the waste ground, just, just off the, where the platform was, where they let the... Um, where they discharged the cattle on the cattle trucks and you know, from the 20s right up until the 50s. Um, the cattle trucks just came in here and stopped. The line would have gone right on down to Broadstone Railway Station, um, just, just here at Liffey Junction, and the other line takes you down to Amiens Street. Now, I don't think the Brad Oak went the f- under the railway line because I, I've spoken to people in CIE and uh, they have informed me that the, the railway line here, when it was being laid, it did not, uh, it wasn't bridged to cover any stream, so the Brad Oak was on, our, on, on, this, on this side, side. So on we're the, on the right side. side. So we're on the right side looking for it. We, you can see here, actually, where the, um, the, the, the ground is dropping here and 
actually over here where I, I, I believe is the source of the broad oak, you can see it, it seems to be quite marshy. Yeah. The ground yeah. isn't as solid as it, 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 it was just back there where we were walking. Actually, now we, we're walking onto softer Mar ground. Softer and, and much more marshy ground. Yeah. And it, 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 yeah. yeah, you can see that all right. So and the plants around here seem to be much more sort of marshy plants. Do you think where we're standing now is somewhere under the ground is the source of the brado? We've reached it. We got yeah, here. Yeah, I safely. think we've got here safely, <laughs> and I think that it is possible that um, what 100, 1850, 134 years ago, I think it's possible when that first steam train went by here on its way down to Galway. I believe it's possible that there might have been a couple of kids fishing here in the Brad Oak. Uh -huh. More than likely, because, um, you know, certainly, the, the, you know, this was a rural a, a rural area covered in green fields and that, and it, it, more than likely they'd be fishing here at this spot where we're standing while the trains went by. So there we were at Liffey Junction, standing on what we believe to be the source of the Brad Oak. How correct we were, it's hard to say, but the final word can go to Claire Sweeney, a man who knows more about Dublin's underground rivers than most. Source of the Brad Oak has, uh, has been uh, uh, changed in recent years. Um, Cabra West, uh, which was built before and after the war, um, the drainage from Cabra West was taken uh, across the canal to uh, the Tolka at uh, Ballyboggan Road, uh, um, a fingerless bridge, and most of the catchment then um, of the Cabra West, which formerly drained to the Brad Oak, now goes to the Tolka. Uh, originally, uh, the Brad Oak source uh, spread out to Rathout Road and to as far as the Dominican Convent on Rathout Road and down to the Blind Asylum uh, on Rathout Road and some of what is now uh, Neffin Road. Um, the present situation then is that the Brad Oak ends r rather abruptly at Carnlock Road where um, in only in times of cyclonic storms uh, like a summer storm and that uh, one in say 12 or 15 years incidents uh, will the surface water sewers overflow into the Brad Oak. Uh, 